Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 4 of Curiosity Killed the Rat. I am oh Matt, gosh. I am the one who produces these sultry, dulcet, beautiful audio waves that are gracing your earbuds at this very moment. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Kate and I I guess I bring the science. I don't know. I, uh, I'm you bring the science, the substance, and I put the sauce, the drizzle, the garnish. <laughs> And together it's a beautiful, I don't know, what meal is that? Like a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that we're a little bit healthier and, you know, more substantial and better for people's brains. You know, we're brain food. You know, we're a pe- nice piece of fish at least. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. We're, we're but but I'm sorry, I cut you off. What are your credentials? I don't know. I do something with brains and stuff, uh, neuroscience, and <laughs> I research them. Uh, the brains, that is, not the neuroscientists. I don't research that. My research. I mean, would yeah. that be a field, an, an, another field of science? What would you call the field of science <laughs> that is the research of neuroscientists? Mm, Neuroscientology. Well, like it, de- it depends. Mm, possibly, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends what you're researching about them. Yeah. Like it, like you know, because if you're researching their physiology, then you're still doing physiology, right? Like it, you know depends on what you're researching if you're still researching their brains you're still doing neuroscience you just happen to be doing it on someone who understands what you're doing uh, which in some cases will throw the whole experiment so you can't really do it mm. um anyway move that's that's not what we're gonna talk about today um, what are we gonna talk about today hypnosis hypnosis which, yeah i am floored no, I, I knew we were gonna talk about this today um cool thanks for the feigned surprise um no but <laughs> but does it blow your mind like when i when i first said to you and i was like hey i want to do an episode on hypnotism um like what first went mm. through your mind were you like hell yeah that's a science topic or were you like that's some mumbo jumbo shit like that that does not belong on a science podcast or you're a believer, well, like, from the start. Here's the thing. I Hypnosis has been one of those things that I've always been on the fence about, and I still am on the fence about, because mm-hmm. I think, like, in kind of early high school days and that sort of thing, I was really into Darren Brown and Darren yeah, Brown videos yeah, yeah. and those sorts of things, and I thought the stuff that he did was so flippin' cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, like, really believed hip- hypnosis was mm. was this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of in more recent times on reflection and seeing some other stuff, I'm kind of like, hold on a second. A lot of it is probably not real. But then, I don't know, maybe it is real. I just, I honestly don't know. Hypnosis is one of those things where I just am sincerely clueless as to whether or not it's all fake pseudoscience or whether it's an actual legit thing and the stuff that people like Darren Brown does is, like, legit Beautiful. i just don't know this is gonna be fun then isn't it oh it's gonna, i'm gonna have a lot of fun today yeah oh awesome okay i want to start out by saying when i began my research for this i was i i dead to, did not believe it was real so it was a bunch of bullcrap um i <laughs> well because i've had someone tr- i've been I, someone has tried to hypnotize me and it didn't work so i was like mm. obviously everyone else in the world is playing along um turns out hypnotism or hypn 
hypnotizability. God, you're how how susceptible you are to being hypnotized. Like sits on a bell curve, right? And there's there's ten to fifteen percent oh. of the population that fall into this group of highly hypnotizable, um, and then there's like one fifth of the population that are just like totally resistant to it, and the rest of the people kind of sit somewhere in between. I think I'm totally resistant because it like it just did not work for me. But like most people have at least a little bit of susceptibility to this. Like it is a real fucking thing. What? <laughs> right? Like, so I was, I was like, I was flawed. I was like, no, yeah. no, bullshit. Like science, give me the science. Where's the science? Um, but like, there are so many studies. So the thing is, it's a re- it's definitely a real thing. It's definitely a real mm-hmm. state of existence. And it's definitely possible to change people's behavior and sometimes physiology using the power of suggestion. Like that is a real thing. What being like in a state of being hypnotized actually is in terms mm. of like, is it a completely altered state of consciousness? Kind of like being like, asleep, is it, is it, like, you know. Or, or is it like if you're on under the influence of kind of like alcohol or substances or psychoactive things where you're physically in a different state of mind or is it a... Mm. Is it a more psychological thing? See, this is this is where science is divided. Um, okay, and there are some okay. some people truly believe that like it's a different state of consciousness, and some people believe it's more just kind of like you psychologically playing along, like not not faking it, you know, not consciously faking it or like knowingly faking it, but still kind of like you know, it's a psychological phenomenon. Um, yeah, so we don't exactly know, like, what it is. And that's that's mainly because, like, scientists, neuroscientists, like, we still have no idea what consciousness even is. So being able to, mm. like, study whether something is an altered state of consciousness is, like, pretty much impossible when you don't know what you're studying. Because, like, like we know that there's neural, neural correlates to consciousness, a.k.a., like, brain activity when we think certain things in certain parts of the brain. But we still, there's, like, this missing link that science still hasn't found which is like what Mm. the fuck is consciousness um no clue and so that's that's why we're kind of divided there but what we do know is that like it like i said like it can actually be used as a thing to do and and so you know, to give it a bit of a bit of history, like hypnosis had a bit of like a false start, for want of a better word, back in like the 18th century. And there was a yeah. guy, a German, a German physician, a doctor, Doctor Franz Mesmer, which is where the term Mesmer. A more German name in my life, but Doctor Franz there you Mesmer. Go. Yeah, where, where the term mesmerized mesmer from a. A name I would have. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mesmer has kind of like a sounds similar to like I don't know memory. It just sounds like a brainy word. Yeah, no. This is about the brain and mind alteringness. But yeah, no. So to be mesmerized comes from back back in the day, back in the 18th century. This this dude, um, he was he was a bit of a con man, and he eventually got discredited by science. But essentially. Mm. He had this miracle cure for like a whole host of medical problems, and he was going around the country like curing. Feels like a snake oil people. salesman. Yeah, except like the way his whole thing worked is you would you would get mesmerized, and because he he had this theory, or I'd, he said he said he had this theory of nature, whether he actually believed in it himself or whether he was you know a, a con, I you know it's debatable. Mm. But he said he had this theory of the world called animal magnetism. And so what he essentially believed is that there was this, like, invisible magnetic fluid that, like, 
flows through all living things and that when that gets out of whack, that's when you get sick and he can bring that back in tune with this, of course, invisible magnetic fluid that only he knew the secret to. Right, of course. And then when um, we get in tune with the midi-chlorians that are within our body, they <laughs> speak to the animal magnetism. Right, and, you're, and then we and you're you have telekinetic healed. powers and, um, you know, and Jedi are real. Yes. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but this is, so this is what, mes- but like the whole process of being mesmerized, like picture this, like you're sitting in like a dark room, like dim lights, ethereal music played on a glass harmonica, harmonica, harmonica. I can say <laughs> words, but like a glass, a glass harmonica. Harmon- like, Damn. this guy was fully into it. And then he would infuse them with this invisible magnetic fluid and they would be miraculously cured. And, like, although, like, Mesmer was eventually discredited by science because they found out that, surprise, surprise, a magical magnetic liquid that cures everything just isn't fucking real. Like, that's not a thing. Or at that's the very not least, how not provable work. by science. Sure. Um... <laughs> Something like that. They fit, look, he's, he got scientifically discredited for his animal magnetism stuff. Um, mm. But the whole, you know, people were getting better with his treatment. So, like, what the fuck was going on? And, like, no one really gave mm. much of, like, a thought to this concept of being, like, in a therapeutic trance for, like, ages was, was until... The- Sorry, go. Well, sorry, was the um, idea of a placebo around back then? Was that an accepted no. notion of a way that no. could treat things? Definitely What, what, not. what sort of year back... was all this happening again? Oh, this is back in like, like the 18th century. 18th um, century. Oh, okay. The knowledge of the placebo effect is a much more rel- uh, recent phenomenon. A bit more like 20th century kind of discovery. Um, I think so. I'm, I can't yeah. confirm what year exactly that became theorized. But yeah, um, okay. essentially they just kind of, they were like, nah, he's a fraud throw him away, everyone who got better must have been faking it or some shit. Um, And then along comes the year 1842. Enter Dr. James Braid. He's an English ophthalmologist, so an eye doctor. Um, Is an ophthalmologist different to an optometrist? (laughs) Yes, but I'm not entirely sure why. I'm pretty sure an ophthalmologist deals more with, like, eye diseases and an optometrist deals with, like, sight issues that are more just okay. like your lens being skewed. I think I could be wrong though. Um, but I think that's a difference. All right. But essentially he was an eye doctor and, um, what he did is he like stared. <laughs> it's really creepy to think about it, but he stared at people really, really intently and claimed that he would put them into these trances, um, by staring <laughs> at them intently. And he was the one that actually coined the term hypnosis because he thought that when they when people went into this, like, trance-like state that they were similar to being asleep. And, like, we've all seen stage hypnotism and stuff. Like, it looks like people are asleep. Um, but, like, it's it's not sleep at all. What actually happens when you're in this, like, trance-like state, which is, like, a real thing, is, mm. is you're producing – because we know this because we can measure – the electrical current of the brain, right? And electrical activity that's going on in the brain. And there are different mm-hmm. sizes of brain waves that are, you know, you have different brain waves when you're sleeping versus when you're awake versus when you're like really focused on something. Um, and so delta waves are these like when you're hyper-focused on something, you know, like when you're reading a book and you get kind of lost in it and the rest of the world goes away or you're just like intensely. Delta wave f- sounds like a sick EDM festival. Delta wave! <laughs> yeah. Um, but... <laughs> They, yeah, but no, so when people are in this translation, like, yeah, they're, they're kind of, you know, it's it's like they're really concentrated. But anyway, the point is like James, this James Bird guy, 
Bird, Braid, James Braid, um, Mm -hmm. knew none of this. In fact, he actually had no clue whatsoever how it worked, this whole trance thing that he was doing to people. He was just like, I'm putting people in these, like, trances because I'm staring at them all intently. Um, I just got that blue steel nailed, fam. Like, (laughs) he was working on... Yeah, and um, he was able... Well, he was legitimately able to hypnotize people by, like, blue steel in them. That's what he was doing. Um, and like, this is where hypnosis was then adopted by like stage magicians and stuff who Mm. would put people into this trance by like dangling watches. Like we all know the drill. Um, The classic spirally spinny boy and you are getting sleepy. You could feel your eyelids. You you did mention that that he, he coined the term hypnosis from this. What, what about the word hypnosis means? Oh, sleepy. Yeah, trance-y. it's just it's from it's from the ancient Greek or the Greek for to sleep is like hypnos. Um, oh, okay, so that's sure. why it's hypnosis. Yeah, cool. sorry. Um, that's fine. But yeah, that's that's why he did that. And then you know, in the 19th century as well, so like hypnotism or hypnosis and and putting people in this like trance like state and and using the power of you know suggestibility. Mm-hmm. Um, was was used in medicine as well. Like in the 19th century, there are records of doctors in India actually using hypnosis for anesthesia. Like for oh. things, even like for like limb amputation, they fully Holy would just crap. hit. And actually, actually, what? you can you can go to YouTube because I mm. I did this. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole and I watched some BBC documentary on hypnosis and stuff. And you can watch. They still like some people do it today. And, and there's this lady you can watch getting her tooth extracted and they, like, just hypnotize her and put her under and then extract her tooth and she doesn't feel a thing because they use it as, like, what? an analgesic. That um, is crazy. So, but it's, like, it's fallen out of favor in, like, modern yeah. medicine. Like, when For anesthetic... Well, and when, well, not ethical reasons, because, like, it works, but when anesthetic drugs were, well, it doesn't work in everyone, that's the thing. It works in Mm. this very, very small subset of the population. Um, And when anesthetic drugs were invented, they work in everyone. So I guess, like, ethics in that sense, yes, like, it definitely, um, yeah, it's all out of favour. But, like, it does work. It is real in these people. Do you want to know why? I do. If I may, I have I have a hypothesis as to why, right? What my mm-hmm. guess would be just based on hearing that, or at least maybe not the whole reason, but a thing that would contribute to it, placebo is what I would say, or like would be a big factor of it. Like, are you more susceptible to hypnosis if you believe hypnosis works? People like you yes. and I who are more inclined to be like, that probably doesn't work, therefore we're more closed off to it, more resistant to it. We don't accept it into our hearts, as it were, and therefore it done work on us. Okay, so yes, but also okay. no. Yes, but okay. also no. So sure, um cool. you definitely have to believe it's going to work for it. I do to work. believe in hypnosis. Um, I do. I do. Yes. And if you don't believe it's gonna work, then it doesn't work. And mm-hmm. you can't be made to do anything that you don't want to do in like, you know, within yourself. You can't be made, you know, so like stage hyp- hypnotists who pull people up and get them to do embarrassing things. Like if you're going to volunteer for something like that, you're, you know, you're likely a performer sort of performative personality anyway, right? So there's going to be a part of you that doesn't mind doing stuff like that. And so like, yeah, you have to, you have to believe it's going to work to sit into it. Placebo in terms of the definition of like a placebo therapy, like a sugar pill or a fake cream, mm-hmm. no, it is different. It's it's a similar sort of concept, but they did this study that was really cool where they, they literally tested placebo versus um, hypnosis as an analgesic, so as like a pain 
pain number. And so what they did is they had in the placebo group, they gave them this like fake cream that was like, you know, they were told was, was an analgesic local anesthetic um, cream and they wouldn't feel anything during the procedure. And then they had the um, hypnosis group where they hypnotized them, put them under, told them that they weren't going to feel any pain during the procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think they used, I think it was like a a little hot thing or a little small electric shock or something. I can't remember. Um, Anyway, both like placebo and hypnosis worked compared to controls. However, When they put their, like, brains under, like, functional fMRI, or maybe they used EEG, I don't remember, they used some kind of brain imaging. And and what they found was that different parts of the brain were actually lighting up in this placebo group versus this hypnosis group. Both different parts of the, like, frontal cortex, so still to do with our, like, thinking and our attention. And it might be via a similar sort of downstream mechanism in terms of, like, attentional like drawing your attention away from the pain and hyper-focusing on something else. Because, like, mm. that's a real thing. I'll get to that in a second. But, um, yeah, it was a different part of the brain for placebo and for the hypnosis. So it's not working via placebo, um, but definitely you kind of – a whole a, a big part of what makes hypnosis work is making the person believe that hypnosis works. And this is okay. this is where it becomes slightly not science. Um and this is where in, in stage hypnosis, this is not so much hypnotherapy, but like in stage hypnosis, there were, I went down a rabbit hole of watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos on this and I got super excited. Um, I'm, but I'm there's, there's feeding off of, your excitement. Yeah. There's lots of little tricks that help people believe that they are hypnotized. I haven't even gotten to explain how this works yet, but you know what we're going to do? Right. It's- it's like We're suspense gonna, and build up. Yeah. Because that is a big part of like stage shows and stage magic uh, anyway, is like the weird susceptibility and like kind of misdirection, I guess, as well. Is yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. So I've watched it's, a lot of Penance. It's one Tower. of, <laughs> yes. Well, it's one of these things, which, are, which I'll come to explain in a second how it's actually working. But essentially the trick is you, you want the person that you're hypnotizing to believe that they are being hypnotized. And the more they believe it, the deeper they fall into the hypnosis. Because, yeah, it, it's all about, you know, attentional direction. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try one on you. I'm just going to try a quick little... I don't, if this doesn't work, it's going to be embarrassing. Are you going to try hypnotizing me? Is that what? Not, not fully hypnotizing you, <laughs> okay. but just one of, one of these little tricks that might make you think that you were hypnotized, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So first of all, I just like, you know, relax. Take a, you know, take a deep breath in and just kind of sink into your chair. You can shut your eyes perhaps if you want. You know, you just, you just want to be comfortable. And I want you to notice that under your feet, you are feeling a tingle right at the bottom of your feet, you know, maybe going back and forth. I want you to imagine and just become aware of it. Maybe it's under the right side. Maybe it's a little more under the left side. Maybe you're feeling it under both feet, but there's just this very gentle tingle at the bottom of your feet. Do you, do you feel a tingle? No. No? Fuck. I, I'm obviously I mean, not as good at it as the guy on YouTube. I haven't practiced. I haven't practiced with people. But essentially, the, the, it's, it's like the, you know, you can open your eyes now. Um, oh, right. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's 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 like the whole like you're not aware that you can see your nose until someone says, "Hey, you can see your yeah. nose," and then suddenly you're fucking aware that like right in front of you you can see your nose. Whereas in your general day to day vision, your nose doesn't get in the way. But now that I've brought mm. your attention to the fact that you can see your nose, you can fucking see your nose. Yeah. Um, it's meant to be the same thing with the foot tingle. Apparently, it's like it's you know. Except you're meant to do it. You're meant to be like really confident and calm. And like you want mm. the person to be like really relaxed and really, really focused. And it's well, this I thing, th- and it and it's this thing that's it's there all the time, but you draw their focus to it and they're like, oh, it's just appeared. Like you can do a similar one with like the back of your neck where you're like, you know, just take the time to think about the back of your neck. You should feel this like slight warmth crawling across the back of your neck getting slightly warmer because like i mean i already felt this warmth on my neck because it's fucking like 38 degrees in here well that's why i I went with a tingle example instead of the warm neck example because you're already warm but generally like the back of the neck is a really warm place anyway right because running up and down the neck there are a lot of these like there are heaps of nerves because you know it's the main main connection to your brain Mm. so it generates a lot of warmth we're just we're just pretty much sensitized like sorry desensitized to it and so we just don't notice it but if you can get someone to like really really relax and follow your voice and draw their attention to it they suddenly go oh i'm aware of this thing even Mm. though it's been there the whole time they're suddenly aware of it but if you're kind of trapped in this state then they're like oh I must be hypnotized. All right, I've got one more. One more that okay, I want you to okay. try. Sure. All right. I'll get back into my relax, eyes um, closey mic. Well, okay. This one I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna try. Pretend. Okay. Lock your hands together, interlock your fingers in front of you, and then just squeeze your palms together as tight as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right now, if I was to tell you to pull them apart from each other, you could do that, mm-hmm. right? Like pretty fucking easily. So just like pull them apart. Yep, yeah, cool. Done. Now pop your sorry. In like, what's what's the word? Like inter inter turn out turn like out turn your palms so that oh, they're like, like stick them out. Yeah, kind of like you're flexing your finger. Fing- yeah, fingers. so you've still got your fingers locked together and you like flex your palms out. And now pull your, your arms directly above your head and stretch up. Mm-hmm. And now try pull them apart. You'll still be able to do it, but there's like a little bit of resistance there, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So what you do is you get people to sort of put their hands up above their head with their fingers interlocked. You get them all Mm -hmm. sort of relaxed and super focused. And then you start like spitting this tale about how their hands are stuck together with the glue, with the strongest glue that they can imagine. You go on for like a minute about Mm. how their hands are stuck together. You get this imagery really in their head. And then you'd be like, then you say, stretch your arms up and test it. Importantly, you don't say separate them because as soon as you mm. put the word separate in there, then then that's kind of being suggested to them and their brain's like, oh, I can separate. But when you mm. say test it, they'll feel that slight resistance because you've made them push up yeah. um, and they'll go, oh, shit, my hands are stuck together. This is working. And then mm. you go, now take a deep breath, relax and pull them apart. You'll feel the glue dissolve. And as they relax, mm. their arms will come down they'll be able to separate the hands and then their brain will have been tricked because it'll be in this state of going, oh, I was able to pull my hands apart because I'm under the power of this hypnotist's voice. And then, so then they've bought into it more, right? And so like, this is still like, it's a real thing, but you've definitely, you've definitely led the brain down this, down this pathway, right? Um, And, and it can get people to do some quite profound things. Like, you know, like I said, it's, it's, used in stage like stage hypnosis we've all seen you know the darren brown videos where he gets people yeah. to do some like crazy stuff and and if they fall into that like 10 to 15 percent 
And like the videos will be like, he probably does heaps that don't work and he just publishes yeah. the ones that do work really well mm. because there is a small set of the population that it does. And like in stage shows and stuff, the magician normally runs some like preliminary things like that hand task, you know, on the yeah. audience. And then he picks his person like that he's going to demonstrate with uh, based on how shaky. well they respond to these like Little preliminary tests. He's sussing yeah, it exactly. out. That's, that's, that's um, a bit naughty. I like that. Yeah. And that's, so that's how magicians and stage people like tend to, get people more often than not that it does work on. Mm. Um, and then you can get them into this state. And so, so there are like, there is, there is some studies that like suggest that between these, this group of people that are highly hypnotizable and like the rest of the population, there are some anatomical differences in, in different parts of the brain, um, such as the rostrum, um, which is a part of the brain that's like responsible for like attention and stuff. Um, huh. but it's essentially, it's it's because of this thing called top down processing. So top down processing. Yeah, there's 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 two processing of the senses, right? And like sensation and perception is a two way street. So our experience of the world around us is first of all it's bottom up, which is what you would normally think about as you know the way you interact with the world. It's it's the direct information from the senses. Are like coming in free from bias, free from any preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, right, like my eyes right now are looking directly in front of me on my desk. I have a coffee cup um, mm-hmm. and photons are bouncing off that coffee cup in front of me, reaching mm-hmm. my eye where they're turned into a pattern and sent to my primary visual cortex, right? Yep. There, you know, the rough shape of the cup is recognized and then the signal is sent to another part of the brain, which like we refer to as a higher part of the brain just in terms of function, um, you know, where I might recognize the color and, you know, and it and it's processed right. directly so it, in this like directional manner. So it's directly called from bottom up because it's kind of how we've categorized brain function from lower mm. to higher function, higher being more kind of cognizant, deeper thought kind of patterns and lower functions being your more basic, you know, lizard brain kind of stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. So like you're, you know, from recognizing the, the shapes material. to recognizing that shape as a cup and then being like, okay, what is that cup used for? Exactly. What, color is that like, cup? what, what know, memories and feelings do I have associated with this? Like cup? when I look at this cup, I think of Millie, which like, cause it was a gift from Millie. It's my little, mm. you know, Karajini national park cup. Shout Cute. out Millie, if you're listening to this. Um, and I think of like coffee and being awake and, you know, whereas if I had like was an alien or something, you know, I would look at that and I would see a weird little green shape that kind of is a scoop. Maybe it would hold something, but I'm not sure what, like I don't Mm. have any, I don't have these associations with it. And so like, you know, think of someone like, like a pilot or sorry, a non-pilot, like walking into the cockpit of a plane and seeing all these buttons and having absolutely no sort of comprehension of what they're seeing. And so in order to have this comprehension of the world around us and what we're seeing, we have this thing called um, top down processing. So there's actually like, while there's a bunch of nerves running from these like primary sensory organs, like to the brain, there's actually a whole bunch running in the other direction as well. Um, and so our preconceived notions and understanding and, and context of things help us like alter how we see something. So like, I obviously see that as a coffee cup instead of like a thing that I'm going to use to scoop sand, even though it would be perfectly functional as a sand scoop. Like if I 
wanted it to be, right? So a really good example of this is Mm -hmm. a study I think I told you about because I remember learning about it in undergrad and being like, what? And then I definitely came home and told you guys about it. But um, the wine experiment where they got the same bottle of wine and they told like um, this group of people that were sitting down to have dinner, they brought out like two bottles of wine, but it was actually the same wine twice told them one was like a really expensive bottle of wine and told them the other one was like a really cheap bottle of wine. Mm. And like, not only did they in like self-record, like rate the more expensive quote unquote wine as tasting better when they did scans of their brain, they actually registered like the pleasure part of their brain, like lit up more. They registered it as being a more enjoyable wine because they believed it was worth more money. So it wasn't even, it wasn't actually a case of, just it pretending and, and kind of like a social camouflage no, to try and fit no, and be like that. legit they tasted literally, different to them. Yep. So and even though it was the same wine, the one, wine. just because they labelled it, mm-hmm. was literally a mm-hmm. more enjoyable wine. Exactly. It was the same wine, exactly but it the was same wine. objectively a more enjoyable wine yep. because of... The perception, like the going from the taste yeah. sense to the brain part, the top-down processing, their expectations of the wine actually altered their perception of the oh. wine and how they experienced it. That is like crazy. Like in that functional is really imaging crazy. brain scans. That yeah. is really crazy how... And, physical that is and like that's, and i that's, guess that makes sense because everything we experience is through our brain so yeah. any kind of sensation and then our perceptions and our enjoyment has a well, physical response that lines up in the brain and that's exactly how like optical illusions work it's the same thing with vision mm. like you know that one where you can see as an old lady or a young lady depending on yeah. like, what you're expecting to see or the one that's like a duck a, is, it is, a is it a crater or a is duck it a and a rabbit yeah like and like you know that that's how these things work is because we're able to alter or the dancer that spins left or spins right and like you know, yeah. they sell it as, are you left brain or right brain? But it's actually but like, that's no, not you, how that you, works. You know, I can I'm sit there brained. and if I think about it hard enough, I can, you know, change it. And and anyone, if they sat there and thought about it hard enough, they could change it because it's. Have you ever tried to do it where you look at it processing. and try and see both at once? No. It's, that would be trippy though. It's trippy. It's really trippy. I've done it with, um, you know, more kind of like, you know, when you see a drawing of a cube on a 2D mm. piece of paper, but they haven't oh, like yeah. cropped the lines out. So if you can, you can look at it one way and it looks like yeah, the cube is yeah. facing Indented one way. You, look or at it, outden- you can do it where can, you can, looks like convex. Yeah. you can see the cube is like both at once. It's, it's, it's really trippy. It, it's not even mm. that it's all more, it's more sort of like a rapid switch between the two. Like if you, the left side of it looks like it's concave, but the right side looks like it's convex. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to describe, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun one. If you really want to trip yourself out, like going mentally cross-eyed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well see, like there's so many examples of this and we already like know that it's a thing and like it extends beyond just our primary senses. Right. So like I mentioned pain before and them using like hypnotism to, to work hip, like, um, to make people feel less pain and in surgeries and stuff. Mm. And like, I'm not sure whether hypnosis actually works via the same mechanism. I don't think it does, but like the body already does have like an inbuilt top down pain system. Like we can make opioids in our body that block the sense of pain, like at, at its location. So like, for example, if you're like running away from a wolf, I don't know why we're running away from a wolf in this scenario, but we are, um, like you trip over, you break your leg. 
you will be able to get back up and keep running the fuck away from that wolf um, right. until your body, until you're in a safer situation. And then, then your leg's going to start to hurt like a motherfucker. But like people in war mm. and stuff, like they'll experience this injury and then they'll get the hell out of Dodge. And because the brain and, and the body will be numbing this pain until you're in, like it's an evolutionarily advantage advantageous thing obviously to like mm. wait till you're in a safer situation to deal with the the broken limb or or whatever the injury may be was it the um, hierarchy of needs yeah something like that i don't know the human body man it's just like it's fucking crazy. it's literally mind over matter that's that's insane yeah yeah exactly and like i mean and, and that's how the placebo effect works as well it's mm. like if the top is convinced then the bottom will be overruled it's it's interesting that kind that concept to me kind of gives a little bit more credence to these these films that that you and i quite like to shit on a lot things like um lucy and stuff where it's like well what if the humanity unlocked 20 percent of their brain stuff like that which objectively is is awful because like you know we always use we use all of our brain all the time i know oh my god that's and i'm not i'm not agreeing with that that's that's bullshit the the official stance of this podcast is that is bullshit cool good what i think it does give credit to is the idea of the power of the human brain because obviously they take it fucking like way too far and you know when she gets to 80% or whatever she can use telekinesis and stuff but Mm. the idea of what our brain can actually do and it's fun to toy with the theoretical notion of if we had more conscious control over what our brain can do we do have some of these quote-unquote semi-superhuman abilities and you think about yeah gurus and stuff who like meditate for ages and can endure these like ice cold conditions or not eat for years Mm. and do these things that would kill most people but they have such good control over their brains and have an understanding of what how the brain can affect the body in a very real and physical way yeah yeah for sure like it definitely you know like it I, I really, I wish that I was part of this, like, highly hypnotizable group of people. Because to me, you're right. Like, it does. When I was first, like, hearing about this stuff, I'm like, it feels like a superpower. Because, like, okay, so one of the, like, other studies that I saw that they did, they, they got people that were highly hypnotizable. They hypnotized them, got them to look at this, like, black and white, well, scale of, you know, gray shade, um, abstract image and mm. hypnotize them and, and told them to add color to it. And they reported seeing color in this black and white image. And and more than that, the part of their brain involved in processing color actually lit up under functional, oh. MR, functional so MRI. So they, they were actually color. seeing color. Like so it, even they if were they literally, yeah, their even brain. Even if they weren't seeing color, even, though, if, even if their eyes weren't receiving photons of the wavelength of this actual mm-hmm. color their brains they were, were projecting to it. their conscious mind mm-hmm. color yeah that is oof. yeah that um, is oof. and another <laughs> another another good one this one's like my favorite one i think so yeah. have you heard of the stroop test i have not okay so you'll probably recognize once i explain it um so mm-hmm. it, it's that it's that test that you do where you look at a word and that word will be like the word of a color, say red will be the word, but the word yeah. red will be green. Oh, and you yeah, have to you say have to the say... color that it is, not what it says. So you have to say yeah. green, even though you're looking at the word red. Yes, no, um, I've done, and it's I've done really, that one really, really hard to do. Um, mm. As a kid, I 
made it because this is the sort of like pretentious bitch I am. I made it my <laughs> task to get good at this because everyone was like, it's okay. impossible to do. It's this whole look at this fancy illusion. You can't do it. And I'm like, fucking watch me. So I figured out that if I took my glasses off and like blurred mm. my eyes and blurred the word, I couldn't read what the word uh, said and I just saw the color. And so that became my cheeky. party trick for a bit was just like showing people that I could do the stroop test really well because I'm, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But like there's, there's some logic to that, right? Because if you yeah. can no longer comprehend what the word is saying the next thing that your brain is going to register is the color so they did this so they did this wacky thing so they gave people the stroop test while they're in an fmri machine Uh and then they hypnotize these people once again these are part of the highly hypnotizable population of people um they hypnotized these people and they told them that the words that they were about to read were gibberish okay and so what they did they then did the stroop test and they fucking nailed it because they weren't and and beyond that because they were in an fmri machine the part of the brain responsible for like language comprehension lit mm-hmm. up in the original one because obviously they're reading the word didn't light up when they were hypnotized because they could not comprehend the words it was literally they lost the ability to understand any of those words and only and like just saw them as though they were written in a different language pretty much um, that is really cool. Yeah. That is really freaking cool. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Um, all right, I've got one more study. One more okay, exciting thanks. study. Yeah. Um, so they got a bunch of people, mm-hmm. um, showed them a film. Okay. Showed them a movie. Um, okay. Then a week later, they got these people in. Once again, part of this 10 to 15%. I feel like I need to keep making this, like, disclaimer. These are the highly hypnotizable people. Like, you can't do this They didn't everyone. just get any Tom, Dick, or Harry from um, the straight. I think they got non-hypnotizable people as a control as well yeah, okay. um, in most of these studies, but I'm just reporting the exciting stuff, which is what happens <laughs> with hypnotizable people. Yeah. Um, so a week later they brought them in and they told them, like they, they hypnotized them to and said, like, you're going to forget everything about mm-hmm. the film that you watched a week ago. And then the control group, well, yeah, people that couldn't be hypnotized went underwent the hypnosis process. They did all these tests to decide which group these people fell into. But that's not important. Um, anyway. Then both groups took a test on, like, the contents of the film, like, you know, plot point, you know, like a quiz. Um, and and those that were given the cue to forget the film, who had been hypnotised, got given the cue to forget the film, like, fucking flunked the test. Like, had no mm. idea, had no memory. So hypothetically, okay, so I don't know, have you, like, no spoilers for any of our listeners, but, like, have you watched the last few episodes of The Good Place yet? I have. I watched it like a couple of days ago and I have many emotions. Oh my God. Same. So many thoughts, so many emotions. Not about to discuss <laughs> them. But would you agree with the statement that The Good Place is probably one of the like TV shows that has pulled off twists the best of like any TV show we've had for a good long time? They it's just have like twist after twist after twist. Fantastically. And even if you're expecting them, it, you, you, I, I personally couldn't pick any of the ones that yeah. came so along. So what I was going to say, so like you can rewatch the series now, right? And you're expecting the twist and it's still going to be good. Mm. But hypothetically, what if you could hypnotize yourself so that you could rewatch The Good Place and every time you rewatched it, you got to re-experience those twists for the very first time over and oh. over and over again? 
That would be That is hypothetically possible if you fall into this group of highly hypnotizable people. Oh, man, that'd be so cool. It's like a superpower, right? Like, it would improve life in so many ways. Like, I mean, not to mention all the medical uses. Like, you know, if you're addicted, people use it if they're addicted to smoking. You know, you can be hypnotized to stop smoking and you can hit, like, all these sorts of things. And, you know, of course, it doesn't work Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, we can Um, break people out of their their crippling addictions later. I want to enjoy my TV shows. I've got my priorities made, right? Right? Is that not uh, the coolest thing? And so so what they think is, like, there's, there's sort of two parts to it. Like, the first part is getting people into this, like, trance-like state, which is where, you know, the brain waves change and and you're, you're super, super attentive and you've got this, like, hyper-focused attention. Mm-hmm. Almost like – so I actually looked into this because I, – I, I don't know if you know, but there's, there's a whole group of um, – class of medications, like especially for people with ADHD um, or some that are even like marketed as like smart drugs or whatever that that heightens people's focus and ability to focus. And I was reading in whether like some of these drugs would make it easier for someone to get hypnotized because first you need to be in this like highly, you know, they call it like the flow state where like, you know, where you you get so absorbed in a book that the rest of the world around you dissolves or you get so absorbed in what you're yeah. doing. Like, you know, we've, most of us have probably experienced that where you're just so focused on yeah. something that everything else melts away. Um, and it turns out drugs like modafinil or like Ritalin, like in some Dexamphetamine. people. Dexamphetamines. Like they can increase your susceptibility to being hypnotized. Mm. because it seems like a really, really key part is getting the person into this super focused state. And what you want them to be focused on is obviously like the hypnotist's voice. Once they're like super, super focused on what the hypnotist is feeding them, then the hypnotist just has to feed them the exact right set of things, which is like, first of all, about the suggestibility, convincing them that they're actually hypnotized. Do they buy into it further? And then they can start feeding them this, like these suggestible phrases and stuff and and that is then the brain uses that as the the top level of functioning and that top level of functioning that's come directly from this suggestibility is then what feeds down to the rest of the brain and alters your perception and can make people see colors or read words as gibberish or that that's the 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 top down processing yeah and that's the top down processing and it's just like it's just like creating such a formidable top-down processing force that like the suggestions coming from the hypnotist just overcome reality essentially. Huh. And that's that's but, what hypnotism is and it's and it's a fucking real thing. And I guess that's what meditation ah. is and people who can like really get into like meditation and mm. put themselves in their bodies it's like self-hypnosis and yeah like there's there's a lot of link and like this is kind of there's there's zero science behind this. This is where we're getting a bit into like the 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 pseudoscience realm. But you know, there's mm. people there's claims that listening to music played at certain frequencies will heighten your focus, so you should listen to it while you study. Funnily enough, I do listen to that shit while I study, and I think it does help me focus. But I think that's possibly placebo or just like it's a you know lack of lyrics to distract but even if it is a placebo that probably is literally changing in your brain yeah exactly this is what's making me think right i'm like i want to do actual research on this stuff now like screw screw my actual research i want (laughs) to hypnotism oh my god hypnosis like and i want to because but the but the thing is right it all comes down to like we can try and understand it as much as we want Mm -hmm. but like 
at the end of the day, it's it's a question of consciousness and like, you know, we can we can see these effects that it's having, but until we understand what consciousness is and how that's distinct from you know, the unconscious mind and, and whatever, you know, we, we can never fully understand these, these things that claim to be like altered states of consciousness and this trance like state or whatever. We can know that it's real and we can see that mm. it's definitely having an effect and that, you know, there's, there's a bell shape in the population of, of people that it affects, but we can't, We'll never really, know what the why is for sure well, until never, we know what consciousness right? is. Well, like, until just, we well, know until what consciousness we, is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which like has been stumping neuroscientists and philosophers for, you know, millennia and probably still zonks and yonks and tonks zonks and yonks and tonks in zade but essentially like that that is what hypnosis is yeah is 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 it's changing your you know reality it's changing your expectations of what you are experiencing and thereby actually changing what you're experiencing that is yeah really Freaking fucking awesome. That's, that's yeah. wow. No, yeah. that's, and that's it's super like, mind you know, blowing. And it's not even like, oh my God, it, like it's not, not, it's not mind control and it's not going to be used yeah, no. for evil or whatever, because like you can't hypnotize someone to do something that they don't want to do. You can't make them do anything they don't know, consent to. Our it's... innate survival instincts will be over, able to overcome this like suggestibility trance like state. Right. So like, you're never going to be in any danger if you're getting hypnotized, like you will be able mm. to override that and you will like be fine. But if you can allow yourself, it is possible to, to alter that, which is like, well, that is crazy. I, I'm yeah. really, I would l- really love to know. I want to experience what happens in the future it, is more, I don't think to me, it's, it seems like, a much cooler version of like magic eye puzzles. I've yeah. never been able to experience a magic eye puzzle in my damn life, but well, that's people because reckon of your it's eyes. a thing. No, that's because True. of your eyes. There's, I could go into the science behind that and the vision. That's, that's another thing. That's another, it, a whole nother episode though. Yeah. But theoretically it is something that even though you and I are naturally less susceptible to experience, could experience through mindfulness meditation, potentially mm. like, if we oh, were ever I'm a part of drug trials or something, if, yeah, if, if we were fortunate to enough to be a part of this research where, you know, yeah, try, see how different yeah. things alter it, it. So there's hope for us yet, you know, mm. there's hope for us yet. We may not have been born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline, but we could make it happen. <laughs> I certainly fucking hope so because, oh my God, what a superpower. Oh um, um, no, that, that was, that was a really cool topic. Yeah. That was a I really thought cool so. topic. I, I got really, got really into it. And if you, yeah, if you want to know more, just like there's so many YouTube videos, like, and, and crazy, yeah. crazy stuff well, out there. You can get lost. So this learning. episode in particular, I reckon we'll be um, linking a couple of the YouTube videos and documentaries that uh, you yeah. I've got watched a whole long in our description. Links um, so you'll be able sure. to see for yourself some of the, the, the sources that, that Kate looked through to yeah. find this absolutely mind-boggling info. We should now shuffle on along to our listener question. Oh, yes. Who's it from today? Um, today we have a question from Mel. And Mel wants to know why coffee or specifically when you have too much coffee, why does that mm. give you the jitters? The jitters. Yeah. No so such like, thing as too much coffee. This is. <laughs> well, see, that's an interesting point, right? Because uh, maybe for my some, third one like, for the day. Some people can drink like 12 cups mm. of coffee a day and then fall asleep 10 minutes later. Right. And some people drink one cup of coffee and they feel like they're going to die. And like mm. some of, some of that is definitely 
tolerance built up from how much you've drunk. But like, there are actually like genetic differences in the body that um, change how the body metabolizes caffeine. So like breaks okay. it up into its inactive bits. And like, like interestingly, smoking, fun fact, if you're a smoker, that's going to actually increase your ability to metabolize caffeine. So like people who smoke tend to feel the effects of caffeine less and then drink more huh. coffee. And uh, yeah, so like, Anyway, that totally not so, answers. That doesn't answer Mel's question. At all. I just went on a caffeine. But could that, if if there's a genetic component, that could explain why our whole family are such avid coffee drinkers and yeah, we drink, probably you know, four or five coffee. cups of coffee a day like it's no big thing. Definitely. Whereas We'd, some people, yeah. you know, have half a shot of espresso and are like, "Oh no, that's too much. I need to like, I've got a massive headache now and I'm feeling really anxious and mm. stuff." But like it's that. also because we've been drinking. Or for me, anyway, I've been drinking a lot of coffee for a long time. And true, we've probably built up a. <laughs> Tolerance. tolerance yeah for sure yeah, okay. but no, anyway but why does it give you the jitters or like because i could definitely still overdo it i'm not one of those people that has never experienced overdoing coffee i can overdo no, caffeine i can do that and it is not a fun feeling and the jitters no. where you like shake and and you know so all of this it comes down to how does coffee work Coffee mm. is what is called an adenosine receptor. Well, not coffee, sorry, caffeine. The active mm. constituent in coffee, as you probably are all aware, is caffeine. So yes. caffeine is an adenosine receptor antagonist. So what this means is that at these Those little receptors, yeah, I'm about to explain. Just like <laughs> patience, mate. Just like patience, right? I so, can't, man. The caffeine's got me going. I need to know now. All right. Well, oh, sorry about the clamp, team. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you. So the caffeine molecules, they bind to these little these little things that pop out from cells, which are called receptors, which, which mm-hmm. cause the action, right? So caffeine blocks the ability of adenosine to bind to its own receptor. And when adenosine binds to its receptor, um, you, you get the sleepiness signal. That's when your brain's like, oh, shit, I'm out of energy, I'm tired, I'm sleepy, I'm whatever, and you know. So yeah. by having caffeine, you're not actually, like, giving yourself any actual energy. You're just masking the I am exhausted signal. Right. Because um, I suppose if you're giving yourself actual energy, that would need to be calories because yeah, calories exactly. are energy. Calories to... are a unit of energy. So exactly. substance, food, stuff like that, sugar. You get you get jittery from yeah. that, right? Because that's really high calorie. It's really high energy. So, so yeah, exactly. So co- coffee doesn't provide you any calories. Like if you had a black coffee, you'd like you don't get calories. You can fast from it. while drinking black coffee. Um, yeah, but it masks the signal that you're tired and need to like fucking stop. Uh, so it's not energy provider. It's just mm. anti tired. It's just anti-tired. But if you overdo the anti-tired, so like what it does when you when you block this signal, because the way adenosine works, it, it promotes an excess of what's called GABA, which is the body's main inhibitory neurotransmitter. So adenosine binds, a whole lot of stuff happens, all the GABA in the body goes up, everything in the central nervous system slows down. Mm-hmm. When this adenosine is blocked by the caffeine, the opposite thing happens and it's a central nervous system stimulant and you don't have the inhibitory neurotransmitter anymore. So it's it's inhibiting the inhibition, if that makes sense. So it's not directly Double stimulating. Negative, making yeah, a positive. It's not directly stimulating your nervous system, but it's stopping the thing that's stopping it. Right. And so your central nervous system is able to just go wild because you have like glutamate, which is your excitatory, and then you've got GABA, which is your inhibitory, and they're normally in this real good, healthy balance of excitatory and inhibitory. Stimulants mm. are going to make it 
you know, more active and, and, and depressants are going to make it less active. And because it's a stimulant, yeah, it, it block gets rid of this GABA, your ner- nervous system goes crazy. The more and more you block, like if you, if you just get rid of all the GABA, then your central nervous system is going to be going crazy. And that's where you're going to have those jitters and those shakes. It's actually very similar to the mechanism that causes like the shakes in alcohol withdrawal, actually, because alcohol fucks with your GABA system. Right, because um, alcohol's a depressant, right? So when you become really dependent mm, on that, mm-hmm. you you have like a higher influx of depressants exactly. or inhibitants in your body. So then when you cut that out, your body doesn't have the things in there to compensate no. for that. So then mm-hmm. it just goes like, so oh that's man, what, now I've got heaps of stimulant stuff going it's on. exactly, real, that's what withdrawal huh. is. That's what alcohol that's withdrawal crazy. is. Okay. And that's why I the symptoms, like the jittery, shaky symptoms of alcohol withdrawal are very similar to like caffeine overdose. Um, ah. Because they, as drugs, alcohol and, and caffeine work in opposite ways, yeah. kind of. Like not exactly opposite. There's a lot of differences as well. But like yeah. in that particular aspect, yeah. Exactly. So that, Mel, is is why caffeine or coffee can give you the jitters. Um, But, like, it's really interesting. I learned some cool stuff. I'm just going to throw some fun little caffeine facts out there right now. Um, caffeine, like in plants, so it like, you know, you find it in, we, we harvest it from <laughs> Imagining a caffeine plants. implant. No, in, in plants, like the trees, <laughs> trees and bushes that grow, you know? So like we harvest it from like coffee beans or tea leaves, but it's, it's, it's mm. in a whole bunch of plants and it's, if it's there in high doses, it's actually like a natural insecticide because insects, oh. when they eat it, like it's toxic <laughs> in high doses caffeine is very toxic to insects so it's like kind of the plant's natural insecticide but what i thought was really cool is that in low doses it's actually mm. like it's it's not toxic it's good and it actually helps promote memory like there's a whole bunch of studies that caffeine actually helps promote memory Pro- in promotes as well. memory in humans or in insects okay both this is what i'm saying so there are studies oh. there are actually studies that show caffeine can help promote memory in humans but that's still a little bit up for debate but we know that in in insects in specifically in bees pollen or like nectar sorry Nectar from like a flower contains low doses of caffeine and actually helps the bees remember that flower so that they can come back to it. Well, there you go. Yeah. How cool is that? How cool is nature? Well, that's crazy. So I was going to say, could then people want as a cheap natural insecticide play, spray their plants with with coffee, but then you run the risk of if you're not putting enough coffee on there, then you're actually providing insects with really good brain food. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's done the like dose effect, um, dose effect curve calculation, um, Mm. (laughs) optimized the dosage of caffeine to insect for, (laughs) I mean, someone's surely done it. Probably. probably. Someone out there. If it exists, someone's done it exactly uh yeah oh well there you go well i think we're pretty much at about our time limit for today's episode definitely that was absolutely jam-packed with information yeah sorry for the info overload i kind of just went down this rabbit hole of getting so excited by it all i hope eventually like i kind of went into this very unstructured so i hope i eventually got my like point across by no, the end. you did. At least um, from my perception, you did. Well, that's um, good. That's what you're there for. You're there to keep me in check and make sure that what I say makes sense. Because a lot of the time, what I say makes no sense. Um, so I couldn't release a <laughs> podcast on my own. It would be, it would be gibberish. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, and also very good. bad audio quality. You serve two <laughs> purposes. 
Well done, you. Oh, thanks, B. I try. <laughs> I try to be useful oh, where I can. Oh, dear. And so, you know, if you enjoyed today's episode, awesome. We're now on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. So if you want to, like, give us a rating, like a, a good rating, please, 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 um, and chuck us a little cheeky review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be swell. But, you know, you can find us on any of our social medias, which is, like, at Curiosity Rat on Twitter or Insta, or you can find Curiosity Killed the Rat on Facebook as a Facebook page. We will post every time a new episode is up. And uh, yeah, if you I'm want sure. a uh, question answered as well, you can email us in oh, at curiosityrat@gmail.com. Like the I most mean, we important literally just bit. came out of the listener questions. I know. I love the listener questions. They keep me going, and we're actually getting emails, <laughs> which makes me feel like I'm like this show is real. People are actually yeah. No, we we we, we you know love it when we receive emails from you God, guys because it makes it us makes my feel day. like people are actually listening to what yeah, we're talking about, please. and that's always a nice little nice little feeling in my chest. No question is too ridiculous. Well, maybe. I'm going to regret saying that now. I'm going to get a ridiculous <laughs> question that I will not be able to answer. Challenge for you guys this week. Send us the most ridiculous <laughs> science question you can think of. I want to see uh, what y'all can come up with. I bet y'all have got some crazy brains. Yike. And I I'm want scared. them to challenge us. All right. Hi, Scare. I'm Matt. it on. Funny. <laughs> um, I am. And with that, catch you next time, guys. Cheers for listening. Hope y'all had a good time. See you later. I'm stalling because I'm trying to find where I wrote down the example. <laughs> this bit can be cut. Interpret what do you look. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. <laughs>